Hello, you're listening to All We Do Is Talk, a long-form interview podcast hosted by Brian Kimball. My guest this week is Taj LeBlanc, and today's episode is titled Homeless Playing the Flute. I don't understand. What's the concept? You just sit around and just talk to people. Yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, so the stupid. podcast is literally called All We Do Is Talk. Dude, this old guy dropped off food to this old guy earlier, and he was like, Terrific. And I was like, only old people say terrific. And I'm like, like, it's such a great word. That's so true. I never say terrific. 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 It's such a great word. It has so much like, it starts with an umph, it ends with an umph, and in the middle, there's like too many I's and R's to count. Yeah. It's like, it's like, <laughs> terrific. It sounds, it sounds like something that like uh, a little, like, um, like figment of someone's imagination would say in like a movie or like a story, you know, like terrific, <laughs> magnifico. <laughs> Is my sound better Fantastic. now? Fantastic. Oh yeah, so much better. Sweet. Oh man. All right. Well, so I have some topics that I'd love to cover. Um, I also, when I was doing the interview with Liz, though, I kind of realized that like I was thinking so much about the topics that I felt like I wasn't being as like conversational sometimes. Yeah. Um. So I kind of want to keep it conversational, but. I dude, I, I think I'm just gonna go into every one totally unprepped. Yeah. Well, my prep is this is my this is my prep. <laughs> or like prep, but then you know what I mean. You, I can't really see. I can kind of see it. Okay. You prep, but it's then like, like don't. I'm, I think I'm never gonna look at questions again when I'm actually talking to someone because mm. I've definitely killed some shit that way. Yeah. I mean, I basically just have like four ideas. Um, one major one actually though, and this just ties back to what we talk about normally is. When you were when you've been talking about these videos or making these videos about moving to a new city, you had like advice in the videos, and I was kind of like, "Ooh, I would love to talk to Taj about what your experience was like growing up." Because one of the big differences between our childhoods, even yeah, though they that's were true, similar, was how much you m- went back and forth like over state lines and between yeah. like where your mom was and where your dad was. And so I'd love to just like talk to you a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, is there any specific place you want to start or? Uh, let's see. In the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> no, let's skip the narrative. You can, you can ask questions. I have an idea, though, because that, I'm glad you bring that up. Um, I, think, I think more than anything, what that gave me that I, that I see other people that they don't really have is a, a lot of different perspectives on the way that people live and exist. Mm. And um, I just... Just I, some quick background, though. Like, when, yeah. your dad lived in Virginia... So my, okay, so my dad, my dad lived on a hippie commune that he helped found in Central Virginia my whole right. life. And um, did Michelle ever live there? I don't actually know she that. She did, yeah. Okay. She lived there, I think she lived there maybe twice. Mm-hmm. Um, but my mom moved around my whole life. Uh, so my childhood was like a mix between Virginia, Maine, Vermont, and then mostly uh, upstate New York. Mm-hmm. And then later Hawaii. And then like when I was sort of early adulthood, she lived in California. So I kind of got like a lot of the, I, a lot of the East coast and some of the West coast and Hawaii, which was like this totally alien world to me when I first went there mm-hmm. um, sort of throughout my childhood. And how long would you go back and forth? Like, how long would you be so, in Vermont and then back in sh- that Shannon? Yeah, so, I mean, I don't know. I mean, like, Shannon, I, I would come down to Shannon because I was homeschooled, so I'd come down to J- Shannon for, like, 
maybe a couple weeks or a few weeks or a month at a time when I was a kid, but I mostly lived with my mom until I was eight. So I was wherever she was. So mm-hmm. Maine and Vermont was until I was five. And then, um, and then the rest five, or sorry, until I was three and then three to eight was New York. And that was, that was that Ithaca the whole time? Yeah, I think we started in Syracuse. Maybe we lived for like a year or half a year in Syracuse or someplace outside there. But yeah, mostly like the Ithaca, New York area. That's so cool. That's like such an interesting, <laughs> I use that word too much, interesting, but that's such a, um, I mean, I, it took me so long to really like experience more than one state. <laughs> yeah much less by the time I was five <laughs> well I don't know like if you remember when we were kids it was like I don't know if I gave this speech to you over and over again but I gave it to our other friend who ended up moving to Ithaca and the speech was just like you have to get out of Virginia like it mm-hmm. doesn't matter where you go but you have to like understand that this isn't this isn't the only way to live mm-hmm. um and but the commune is so it can be so isolating in that way. I think that's one of the downsides of the way we were extra isolated because we yeah. grew up on a commune. Yeah, yeah, and also just their their whole thing is kind of like they're trying to form this community outside of stuff. So you know they're exploring a lot of ideas, but you do only you get like a very very shallow idea of the way people live outside of the commune even just in Virginia and then outside of Virginia obviously there's a big difference between the northern part of the east coast and the southern part of the east coast and big cities versus rural I mean yeah well I think I think you may have said this again a while back where where it's just like a commune is by definition exclusive because mm. you're saying this is the community and if there's a community, it is a, it is separate from a larger community. Mm. So like, it is going to be, I don't know, private or something. It is going to be different and it is going to be isolated from the greater community. Right. Because people didn't, they felt, they didn't feel comfortable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everywhere else. So they were like, <laughs> we make the small thing. <laughs> yeah on That's this lo- old logging land <laughs> they're like everywhere except for this hillside i really am not happy so i'm just gonna move in on this hill well i do i think i do i do like the idea i think it's cool that i think land has so much power and we sort of if if we're always living on other people's land we're always we always have to answer to that person in terms of what we're doing with their land so i do think it's cool to like sort of buy your own land or create your own space and like try try to design something new or different um it doesn't always end well you know but uh it's i don't know it's an interesting concept do you think that people on shannon i mean not just you but maybe everyone else who was raised from a kid on shannon on the commune has a better understanding or an earlier understanding of real estate like the idea of the difference between owning the place that you live and not owning the place you live as opposed to people like in suburbia or something? Uh, I don't know. It might be worse. I think we have a better idea. <laughs> I think we have a better idea. Of like, because I don't know. Like, I mean, for me growing up, I wasn't super conscious of like the way the mechanics of the community, like how the <laughs> politics worked and how the economics of it worked. I was sort of just like, man, there's a lot of land that I can sort of run around free on here. And I can just walk into my friend's doors. I think I had some concept 
like walk into my friends' houses sort of unannounced without calling to some degree. There were just some houses I could do that. And I think I had some notion that that wasn't normal. Like when I was with my mom and she was like, no, we have to make a plan with the other kid that you want to play with. And I was right. like, what? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, you don't just show up. By other houses, Taj means that I would come home from school and he would just be sitting on my couch eating my food. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nobody home. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, I think, and I think just really like the, I think that like learning sort of boundary, like healthier boundaries is something that in all the communities that I grew up on, it just sort of seemed like there was, there was just still, the boundaries weren't predetermined. Mm. Is that a Slack message, bro? No, it's, it's just something. It's nothing. Someone commented on something on Facebook. I don't know why I still get those. You know when you accidentally follow something by by commenting on it? You're like, your friend posts a picture, and you're like, oh, that's cool. And then you now you're following the photo. And so like every time someone else is like just saying random stuff and starting a conversation of 30 comments, you're just like, I just, I'm good. I was like, that was the end of my life. I was like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> It makes me regret yeah. commenting on Facebook every time I do it. I'm yeah, like, I don't. I don't comment unless I like am ready to converse. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> unless you're ready to get a billion notifications and be part of the club now. <laughs> um, great. Okay, good little side tangent about Facebook. <laughs> God, it's horrid. Um, <laughs> so, so anyway, tying back to the sort of being so so nomadic. Do you think that? When do you think you got good at it? Do you think that it was like a very sink or swim type of thing? Like, I know so it, it's got to influence you. I mean, you. you have to be more specific. It's definitely influenced me, but I think there's different, there's different facets of being a nomad. I think in terms of communicating with people that aren't where I am, where I, am um, I got good at that probably somewhere in my teen years or like early adult years. You mean like long distance yeah. uh, relationship man building? Sort relationship of. management <laughs> i know i just I mean, made that sound like, like least interesting <laughs> like but like the long distance thing like keeping yeah, long term, friends yeah, and yeah. family yeah no but i think ma management management isn't a bad word but it's not the whole thing um but yeah i think early i think i think the difficult thing because my mom was always trying to do it like she just kind of liked bouncing around and living different places and meeting interesting people um, I think the thing that's difficult, that was difficult then, that might be easier now, but I think is still difficult, is that so much of, no, okay, I'm now I'm getting, <laughs> so much of, um, <laughs> so much of making money is usually built off people's community still, and mm. it can be, and it's still somewhat difficult to build community for the vast majority of people uh, over long distances. So, yeah, and especially if you're always in new environments, you always have to be building new community where you are, too. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, I think that's, uh, yeah, obviously that's something that I had to get good at because just wherever I moved, I was always the new kid. And the new kid either is like, it's, it's sort of a zero or 100 thing. You're either like that cool kid or you're like some weirdo black sheep that's right. like everyone pick on that kid because they're the easy target. Right, you're either like the character in the movie that's like the French, you know, like character. They're like, oh my God, he is as Pierre and the Nookie. Yeah, his culture is so different. <laughs> Look at the way he's dressed. Yeah, <laughs> I must be friends with him. <laughs> yeah, or but then there's like, 
Who then cares? there's like Pierre's <laughs> Pierre smells funny. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> then they're like, yeah, that kid's a weirdo. <laughs> Whatever that French perfume is, like not so much. I don't, don't like it. You should wear axe, bro. Um, yeah. <laughs> Pierre doesn't even wear axe. <laughs> Rumor has it. <laughs> um <laughs> oh, the axe. <laughs> what are you? Did you just try to make Axe French? Like no, that's what it is. Yeah, that's what perfumes like. They're always like eau de something. It's like eau de barbe, you know. <laughs> Fleur de lure. Yeah. It is, uh, oh, eau de, yeah. de this. It's, I am wearing uh, Dude, the Axe. I could probably China. just watch weird European commercials all day. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what they're, like, what they're up to over there, but it's they're on something. But it's always looks great <laughs> it's like man i wish this they always happen. look relaxed <laughs> yeah. actually speaking of your where did you i'd love to talk a little bit about it's because there's so much moving i think this is such an interesting common theme with you also is how is travel and like being able to find learning how to navigate but also like come into new environments and then figure out how who you are and how you are in those environments and i know you traveled a bunch in europe but i'm not exactly sure what countries did you actually go to yeah, we can we could talk more about that too, about like the moving and and what makes me successful at it. I feel like I kind of dodged that question. Would you would you want to? Yeah, sure. Why don't we expand on that a little bit? Let's go on that, and then we can talk about Europe. But um, I think that I realized how I got good at it in terms of like I do think that I can live anywhere and make it, and like I can move there with nothing. Like I moved to Los Angeles with nothing but a car, really. Um, <laughs> if you can call it a car, yeah, come on, man, that's an understatement. Selling that one pretty high. <laughs> but I, I think I think the key to quote unquote being successful, um, I, I, I maybe I'm good at surviving anywhere, and I think it's necessary to be able to survive somewhere before you thrive there. And I think that sort of is really just being really resourceful and sort of fearless and willing to try weird things to to live or survive um and not have any sort of ego i guess that's kind of vague but like how that manifested itself in los angeles is like i showed up i kind of was like i lived out of my car some i stayed with someone i knew some um and then i just like started driving delivery um mm. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, I maybe that wasn't specific enough, or I, I took it in a. Well, I think that what's interesting about the different ways that we and that you've traveled and I've traveled too. Like when we when we moved to Boston, like when I talk to other people about moving, <laughs> even when people just move like from one apartment to a new apartment in the same city, there's always like so much more. Uh, they think they have different priorities. They're always like thinking about moving trucks and bringing furniture and bringing all this stuff, and like there's a there's like a big there's like a lot of work that comes with it. And then I think yeah. about like our moving. And like when we moved into Boston, I remember like for the first two nights I slept on the floor. Like there was nothing yeah. in my room. It was an empty room. And even then when we moved of out of that apartment, we had a living room that had nothing in it, no furniture in it that we had purchased in Boston. Like the right. only thing we bought there were beds. Um, I think that's a values thing. That might stem back to sort of growing up on a community. Like I think that we value relationships and people and experiences and culture and a lot more of your average, you know, maybe someone from the suburbs or whatever values material things. And I think mm. it's because we grew up in, a, in an environment where there were no material things and we sort of had to make our own fun. Whereas I think people who grew up in cities, it's like 
I don't know, it feels like more of a zero sum philosophy where like the people are kind of passing through, but what's going to stay consistent is like, can you make your bank account go up or like, Mm. you know, can you get a nicer TV or some nicer shoes? Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I mean, I, I think that like moving is pretty, it's pretty like if you can create a system for survival and usually that's just like a place to live and a way to make income a way to like get something that is a medium of exchange for everything, which is money so that you can buy like food and clothes and like things to operate. I think really just focusing on that, like designing, designing it before you get there and just being like, what, what do I, what is the bare minimum I need to survive? Right. I think you said in one of the videos that you made for me, you were talking a lot about visualization, like just visualizing waking up and what, what you want to do, what you already want to know, like when you go out, right? You want to know certain places. It's interesting. Whenever you hear that, like whenever I hear the word visualization, I think about some like hippie bullshit, like visualize your, like some visualize and actualize. Yeah. And it's like, it's like, I don't think, I think that's like kind of a shitty way to talk about it. At least the way that I see it, like, because what I'm actually do is I'm, I'm saying like, what are the predictable parts of the day that I do every single day? What do I do? I, you know, if you open a computer and open a program that's your work or you like make eggs for breakfast and I walk myself through my day, I'll just lay on the floor. I'll walk myself through my day. Like visually, I'll be like, what do I do? Then I, and like, and you can go into varying amounts of detail, but it's like, what happens is you, you start to see the hiccups in the day before they happen. And then you, you're removing all of the surprises from your day. You're basically saying like, oh, like, what would I do if the car broke down? And then when you have the surprises removed, then you're not, you're not living a life based on imp- improvisation. You're living a life where like everything that happens, you already have the answer for, or you at least have more of the answer for than it, like if you just are flying by the seat of your pants. Would you um, say that you prefer that in general? Like I know that obviously probably no one prefers no spontaneity and improvisation, but in general, would you prefer that your day had like, I don't know if I believe, I don't like, I think like spontaneity is for sure a thing. I think that's one thing in our relationship that I really value is I think like when I hang out with you, you sort of gear things in, in a, in a way that's like spontaneous and, and we grow from it. Whereas I think a lot of people are just like, Oh, it was so random. Like, like we just met this guy and he like was juggling, you know, like, I guess I don't really understand what spontaneity is. It doesn't, it doesn't really like, like what is spontaneous that is that interesting? Um, well, I mean, I think spontaneity would be people investing in an unexpected direction to go, right? Like that's the thing they're like, oh, spontaneous, this thing happened. And instead of just being like, this wasn't what I planned, they decided to just go with it instead of, you know what I mean? Instead of just rejecting it because it wasn't what they had planned. Right. Yeah. Well, so I think, I mean, I think that you have to, I think understanding what you're sacrificing by not going with the plan is important. So like if something happens and it's not my original plan and it's, but it's an option that looks interesting, I may, I may take the option, but I think understanding like in terms of back to surviving in a city, in terms of like taking that option, if that option is going to take from anywhere from, you know, 
an hour to to four hours or however long it's going to take there's an opportunity cost to that which is like oh i could be searching for a job in that time period or i could be looking for an apartment or i could be making money you know like mm-hmm. and i think the the problem that comes with people who talk or value spontaneity really highly is that it's usually because they don't they don't have a base in anything that's um that's determined that, that that's predictable um like they don't know what they would be doing if there wasn't yeah they don't they, unexpected they, they usually they they their direction they're often directionless because they don't they haven't found a direction that they deem worth um going towards that's my experience like every once in a while i do something spontaneous i'll just be like i don't really know what i'm going to do but i need to explore some Mm-hmm. And I guess that kind of brings it into Europe. That was my feeling. Again, it was kind of like, I was like, I've been telling my friends to get out of Virginia. I need to get out of the States. I've needed to get out of the States. I'm going to go to Europe. So I went to Europe. To answer your question, I went over most of Western, around most of Western Europe, or most of the countries at any rate, uh, major cities. So I went to like Madrid and Spain, and then uh, San Sebastian, which is another place in Spain, France, Italy, Germany, England. Um, did you go to the like Mediterranean? Did you enjoy a lot of the Mediterranean in Italy, like the n- southern part? Not real. I went to um. Oh wow, I'm blanking on the name right now. Something with a V. It's the one with all the boats. I went to that Venice. Um, that's the that's the. <laughs> I only love that description. It's one of those fucking boats. <laughs> <laughs> What's that one called? <laughs> those guys on the boats with the sticks. <laughs> Everywhere. Tomatoes and stuff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't I didn't really mess around in the Mediterranean a lot. I wanted to, I'd like to more, but I just kind of got like it was a weird time. Like it, I kind of got bored. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like you're boring, time to go. <laughs> <laughs> what was your what place do you think that you were the most interested in though? What was well, I mean, what piqued your curiosity based on like the lifestyle or the environment? Every place was interesting for a different reason there. I think what I what's really interesting about Europe is the social culture. They're a bit more relaxed and they're they're less they're less directed was my experience was just, which which I kind of liked um in some ways cuz in the United States I feel like you meet people and they're kind of intense they're kind of like hi like what do you do? It's like kind of about your career like mm-hmm. or it's either pointedly about your career or not about your career. It's like dude we're at the bar like let's not talk about work. Um or it's like, what do you do and how can you help me? That's been my experience in the States. And like, I don't know. I just find that like, or why are you talking to me? Like, what do you want from me? Whereas mm-hmm. Europe, it was kind of, it just sort of seemed like social socializing was a little bit more um, fluid. And that might just be my my own mentality. Like when I when I was in Europe, I was kind of, that when I was out, I was in an exploratory phase, whereas I'm pretty directed whenever I'm in the States, so right but that, that was my feeling did you ever feel like people in 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 europe and probably it's hard to generalize the whole place but in any of these cities or countries were like more present than other places because that's one thing that i feel like i remember from when i was in italy which or uh in germany which was a while ago but i just remember how they just seemed like more present like they were just like made more eye contact and they like the conversation would change a lot more because they would just be kind of paying more attention I think, yeah, I, so I think, yeah, I think that's true. I think that, I think Americans tend to live more in the future. One thing that I 
felt immediately was very surprised by was that Europeans don't use credit cards or most of them in my experience they they no one I really talked to used credit cards which I think is sort of an indicator that like they don't take on debt as much to with the idea that they're going to be in a place that's better off in the future and I think like Mm. taking taking on debt kind of removes us from being present because it puts us on a mission where like I have to do something to pay back this debt um, and they're, they're a bit, I mean, there's other things. I think they're mostly economic factors and just structural factors, factors with the way that it's set up. But, um, the people there also tend to, they have less, they move around in their jobs less. And I think that their jobs are based more on skill. This is, this is at this point, like that was statistically true, but at this point now we're getting into just my perception of it, which is their jobs are based more on um, their skill set and less on sort of, uh, I don't want to use the word cronyism, but in America, you know, who you know matters a lot more than what you know. In Europe, mm-hmm. there's more there's more systems for like, for getting jobs. Um, that it, is, it seems just more about what you know and what you can do. It just seems more merit-based. Um, I, I don't want to say merit-based because I don't think it's necessarily how good you can do the job. I think it's how good you can work the European system. Hmm. And that's, I, I feel like I'm getting really vague here, but it's like, if you think about job mobility and you think about, you know, you're less likely to get fired because you have a different political view or what have you, um, then I think people, it just opens people up to be a little bit more present and open about what they think. Um, Whereas in America, I mean, and maybe this is just now, but it, it was also, I was over there when in 20, in October, 2016. So this was when, I don't remember exactly what was happening, but the topic of conversation was Donald Trump and he was not yet elected. Um, and I think just in America, it was, that was, that was and is still such a polarizing political time that I think people in America are a little bit more it's like you even when it comes to to money they sort of they just pick a side and they stick with it Mm -hmm. um and anybody on the other side is like you're either on red team or blue team and everyone else is the enemy in Europe I didn't get that vibe so much it was kind of just like and I think to some degree it was like we don't have power like Europeans Europeans seem to have less individual power than, I mean, just, just the fact that you have to get, in order to get a loan, you can't, like, I I think this was France, but in order to get a loan, just like a basic credit loan, you have to go to a bank. You have to like, really like invest in it. You know what I mean? I don't know. You just have to, you have to do so much more work to like do something here. That's just like, kind of like, oh, you're 18. You can get a credit card. You're an American. You can like, you know, um, I'm going on off off on a really long tangent here. Uh, Would you say, so you're saying that like people sort of have more, I mean, power is an interesting term, but uh, I mean, based on, and again, I haven't been to Europe in a while, but based on sort of people's interpretations of the way people act in Europe and make decisions, it does seem more collective, right? They're always talking about collective things. And it sounds like that's sort of what you're talking about in that the people are not, individual people don't seem to have like a real, righteousness to their their thinking it's like they think more about the group you know in that same way that like you know all, they always talk about different I, kinds of laws that are passed that affect everyone and everyone's like yeah we don't do it you know we don't do this anymore like all of us 
because this is the thing. Sure. Well, so I think just on a, on a basic <laughs> level, I think it's kind of like, it's like if you take, if you take an, like an average entrepreneurial American way of thinking, which is like, I think that it's, it's, it happens something like this. An American thinks, man, I have this problem. I want to fix this problem. You know, I bet I'm not the only one. I can't be so unique that like I want to have an electric car or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And you like start an electric car company or something. In Europe, I think the way that that process goes is someone goes, you know, this is a problem. Um, I wonder who else I can talk to <laughs> to see if this is a problem and how we should approach it. Mm, um, so I think it's like, I think it's like both, both people are thinking about the collective, but their approach is different. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's interesting. That's an interesting way of putting it. Um, did you talk a lot about like, it seems like you used France as an example for this loan thing. And then you also talked about credit cards. Um, did you, did you feel like a lot of, in terms of employment and like financial security, did you feel like people felt very financially secure? in general in Europe? Did you they feel like seemed, it was like similar they to seemed, uh No, I mean, well, so they seemed, they seemed more, uh, how do I put this? Maybe more secure, but less flexible. Mm-hmm. Like they were like, oh, like I, you don't even have six, they kind of would be like, but you don't have six weeks of vacation. Like it kind of just seemed like everyone was on permanent vacation there. Um, <laughs> they were like, yeah, we like go to work for like 30 hours a week. And the rest of the time we like club and drink coffee. And I was kind of like, <laughs> Or, or, the, or like the, the ambitious entrepreneurial version of that or is, is like I spend a lot of time talking to different people at different conferences about how to solve the problem. <laughs> um, right. But they don't just like kill themselves at the office. Right. They don't, they're not just like, I'm going to get as much money as I can and try and design an electric car. <laughs> right. It's just, it's, it's very, it's just a lot more left-leaning. The whole, the whole country, the whole system to me seemed a lot more left-leaning even the right-leaning more right-leaning um countries or or areas um it's just you know it's just a little it's a little bit different politically i think that Mm -hmm. sort of seeps into everything yeah that's interesting that's that's definitely the um, other the other thing that i think is really important to note is and that i didn't really realize was i traveled between a bunch of countries very quickly so mm-hmm. it'd be like kind of the equivalent of taking a road trip across the United States. That's the way that I thought about it in terms of like ge- ge- geological space covered. I didn't cover that much space. It would have been like covering the size of America. But That's a lot it, of space though. <laughs> I mean. It is a lot of space, but it was like, I guess my point, my point is, is it's like every time I would fly, if I flew from New York to California, it's like, cool, I'm still in America. Every time that I would fly from like I take like a $26 flight to get from Spain to Paris. It was $26 to get from Spain to Paris. And like, I'd, but I, but here's the thing. I would arrive in Paris and then I would take like a $30 bus to get, or $30 Uber or whatever. I forget how I got there, but it would take me a while, two hours to get from the public transit to the, to the, um, where I was staying. And I, my cell phone wouldn't work. So then I would have to go to a cell phone store and get a different chip. So I have like four chips from, you know, <laughs> like different countries in Europe. And I think just, and like also just with the currency and there's just all these little things that because the countries are different and all of a sudden I'm learning a new language. It's like, it was a lot harder to travel throughout Europe than it would be to travel throughout the United States. 
um, and financially so, um, just because it's not that each country has its own individual culture and they're they're interested and very focused on maintaining their culture. Right. Did you um, speaking of the currency thing? Did you was it all euros in every place? Is that like was it all EU that you pretty much would? Oh of? right. I guess the currency. It was only British. I had to get pounds in Britain. Oh, God, but, uh, the British. <laughs> what is it with the pounds, dude? Britain did see of all the places that I went. The British did seem the most sort of financially secure and and forward thinking. I mean, Germany was interesting in that I don't know. They're just their systems were so logical and like all throughout Europe. I thought I was really impressed with the engineering and mm. just like the basic, like the toilets, just all these little things that just like. <laughs> yeah bro the toilets were nice <laughs> yeah i've often, I, like I, often in Germany. <laughs> I often judge a country on their toilets that's usually i just remember being in the bathrooms and you're just like walking to the bathroom and you're like oh the 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 shower and the sink are separate from the toilet that like makes a ton of sense like why don't we do that in america it's like because like if you have someone who wants to use the toilet and somebody wants to wash their hands at the same time you have to like be like okay i'll wait for you <laughs> But in Europe, they're just on. They just got that. They just got that. Job. I definitely like was trying to picture what you meant, <laughs> and I was like, I was like, I'm pretty sure my shower and sink are not my toilet. I think. <laughs> I don't think you're using like the toilet. Term. Toilet separate. <laughs> right. So you're saying the separate room. Yeah, it was a separate room. The like the like toilet, the you could close thing. the door, and there's just like a little toilet and a little room, and then, um, and then yeah, and that was. I think that was like most countries that I was in in Europe, and I was like. This is ridiculous. Like, how are we still doing the crappy version of this in America? You know, we're just like, put it all in the same room. I don't care. <laughs> easier for, put easier a bed for in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Did, you, uh, did you use bidets? I did not. I don't think <laughs> I used this. I've, I've yet to use a bidet in my life. Did they have bidets in France? I'm not talking about bidets on this effing Dude, podcast i want to know bro. i haven't been there i want to <laughs> know if there's a, are they just is there just bidets what else like, is on your topic list <laughs> what is friends like uh that's it well you know the i next, love it's friends. mostly bidets i think you asked for, <laughs> like most maybe to be more specific like in terms of most like if i had a flight if i had only one flight and i could go somewhere it would probably be france france or spain it's tough probably paris to be honest probably france if you had like like if you wanted to choose any of those places only, to spend yeah, six weeks I, in or something, would you choose Paris? So, oh, six weeks, or you know, I mean, like a longer period of time. I guess it depends. Yeah. <laughs> well, so what I would say is, if I if I if I went back, I sort of like wanted to do the speed tour of Europe, and if I went back, what I would probably want to do is be there for a specific purpose in a set amount of time that was less than three months. Like I'm gonna go there and just like work on this project for three months but i think to me the project would have to be meaningful and i think the problem that i come across is um without sounding like a dick i, I can't think of anything that's happening in europe that seems particularly meaningful <laughs> meaningful to you um, or just to the world <laughs> well i mean so they're very focused on climate change and and environmental stuff with this which is which is interesting i just think it's a really it tends to be, I, I don't have any ideas about really any grounded ideas about how to um, help with that. And any grounded ideas that I do have, I wouldn't start in Europe. 
I don't know if that mm. makes sense. Yeah. I mean, was that a topic of conversation a lot? Is that like um, more visible in the sort of like, you know? So no, it was, it was very political. One, Donald Trump was, had, was either running or had just won. No, I think he had just, maybe he had just won. I was over there in October. So no, he was still running. And mm-hmm. they also, they had the equivalent of that. So I, I would talk to them about their politics and their, their politics. I think there was like a lot of corruption scandals maybe going on in Spain um, huh. that I was talking to people about. And then also um, in France, they had what, what they described, some people that I talked to, as their version of Donald Trump. And her name was uh, Mar- Marianne Le Pen or something of that nature. Um, I believe it's pronounced O de X. <laughs> I'm not, you know, I'm not sure, but I think that's <laughs> Oh, man, insulting Europeans 101. <laughs> um, <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, they were, and they were just like, they were very curious. They had a very, and I loved that. I loved, I, I enjoyed the curiosity in, in how they asked me a lot of questions. They were just like, well, how do you see things? And, and what do you think is going to happen? And what's going on over in America? Um, and there was just this, cur- especially, I just remember it in Spain and France for some reason, but there seemed, seemed to be a lot of curiosity there. Um, whereas in America, I don't know. I guess people just don't seem to want to talk as much about intellectual topics or controversial topics, which to me makes conversing with randos in America kind of boring or less interesting, usually. Yeah, I definitely feel like there's a lack of curiosity in general. I mean, I think different places, different communities and cities I've been in, sometimes it's a lot higher than others. But in general, I feel like I'm trying to remember if I remember that in Europe. When what I, I don't there, understand, was... though, is that, like, like Americans will ask about something, I think, if they want to do something with it. And I ask a lot of questions because I, I hope to do stuff with the information that I get or what I learn. Whereas in Europe, they just kind of want to talk about it. And then they're like, cool, so are we going to go to the club now? <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> and like, they don't, I'm like, are you going to do anything with this information? Or like, are you just going to chat about it with like, someone else over coffee in your office on Monday and like then I don't know it just doesn't it seems like such a less actionable place and I think that's what bugged me so you didn't enjoy that that change from America the American the more American well, I got bored of it like it was cool I was like wow like um the people here are very different um and they're very interesting and I love a lot of the social culture and different ways that people interact but like I like to talk to people and then the rest of the day I like to do stuff and I just Mm -hmm. the rest of the day it didn't seem like there was anything that I could really do that seemed meaningful I was like like I couldn't work you know you can't work because there's like laws against that and wait what there's laws against working at certain times yeah no you just can't work like if you're not from the country you can't really it's like you have to go through a whole (laughs) process to work which is you know there's probably a lot of places but Right. <laughs> I thought you meant like French people weren't allowed to work past like seven or something. They were just like, you know, like between the hours of 10 and two, you have to be in the club. Oh, You're not there to- were definitely some weird <laughs> things like that, but yeah. I don't remember what they were. Yeah. Well, you know, you've mentioned the club a bunch, actually. And I know that's sort of a year, like I say that kind of in jest a lot about Europeans, but is that really like the main thing that they do? Do they do it all the time? Well, and is I it like just, a big drinking activity? I guess. I don't, I don't know. I'm kind of just talking. I'm kind of just talking out of my, my butt right now. 
uh, I don't know, man. Like I, cause I don't, I never went to the club. I would love to go to some European clubs, but I didn't really go there. I guess it just seemed like there was sort of an aimlessness to their free time. They like worked their job. And then when they weren't on their job, they were kind of just like, where can I, where can I have the most pleasure? Like, mm. where can I get the most sort of dopamine serotonin? Um, which to me just wasn't particularly interesting. Um, that's all I got for that. Yeah. And did you, did you encounter like a large drinking culture in each place? Cause I know that like, I mean, at least, I mean, when I was in Germany and I was 16, that was like what they all did. You know what I mean? There was like a huge club culture for like people in the 16 to 20 ish age range, you know, like they just always went out. I don't know. I think I, like I just wasn't curious about it. Like I would, so I was staying in hostels. So I would just like, I would, I would be out during the day, like exploring like the, the like Berlin, like looking at like the World War II Memorial or something. And then when I was back at night, I was like starting to get into videos and stuff. So I was kind of like playing with social media and stuff mm. and like messing with video. Um, yeah, so I was pretty, I was pretty, I wasn't really out during the night. Like people would be like, oh, we're all going to go drinking at this place. And then we would, oh, I did go to one club because Sam came to, um, Oh yeah, Sam, I forgot about that. Yeah, Sam came over for like a week or a week and a half, and we went out in Spain with like some people from the hostel. But it just sucked. Like the club. Have you ever been in the club? The club sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been in a Spanish like, club. Like all clubs to me are exactly the same. It's like, are you spending money? And if not, go fuck yourself. Mm. And like, I don't want to spend money in the club. Like I don't drink. Right. <laughs> So like the fact that there's cute girls in the club is cool, but, but if I'm not, you know, I just got the vibe that it was like a money show and like, not that it wasn't even fun to dance, you know? Right. I don't know. I mean, that's something that I struggle with just here in, in Charlottesville, but in other places uh, and not just in Charlottesville, but in other places, that whole sort of like the default is like going to the bar at a lot of places. And I'm kind of like, that's not my default. Like that's not the first thing that pops in my head as, as like a recreational activity. But I was, I just don't know if it's similar in, in Europe too. Cause I mean, I assume, right, like pub culture is a big thing in like England and stuff, you know, kind of always go in there as like the social spot. And then obviously there's like the stereotype of like Europeans in the club all the time. But I didn't know if it was like, did you, did you feel like that you would be losing out on a big part of the social scene if you weren't like trying to go to the club? I guess it, it wasn't one that I cared to lose out. Like it was like, right. if I lose that, then fine. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, it's really, yeah. I mean, it doesn't, I mean, I focus a lot on people and the people that I look up to or want to learn from or be like, and, and like, there were some people there that I met up with that I kind of knew from meeting in the States and they were cool. They were like either artists or just generally interesting and smart people, but we would meet for like, we would just meet and like, they would show me a park or we'd take a walk or, and just talk or something like that. But we'd meet during the daytime, usually like, when they had lunch or were just not working or something. <laughs> I think I did like that. Like I liked it, it, it. It's kind of felt like in Europe, like people just like, they didn't really work, but they also didn't really get anything done. And I was like, I like this not working thing, but I want to get stuff done. So I think like <laughs> California was just like what I was always like, Oh yeah. People in California, they don't really work, but they get a lot done. Like that's <laughs> yeah, preferable place to be. Right. It like feels the same where like people aren't, 
it doesn't feel like people are grinding all the time and yet there's all sorts of projects getting completed all the time yeah <laughs> even though it doesn't exactly. have that grind feeling of a lot of cities actually that's that's a good uh, it's a, an interesting place to come to in this conversation because we've talked a lot about moving and being nomadic and now you living in los angeles has been sort of a thing where you you talk a lot about how you kind of love it and you you can't really see yourself moving you know i mean obviously that might change sure but but what do you think did you feel that way like in boston no right you always I mean, thought think, that you would well, be so everywhere else that i moved like moving to new york so i moved to new york when i was 16 and that was my decision i moved from mm -hmm. my father's to my mom's and that felt like escaping i was just like cool i could like <laughs> virginia sucks right <laughs> everything about my life here sucks i'm gonna get anywhere but here and my right. mom was like, here's an out. And I'm like, cool, take it. <laughs> right. It was less of a move um, to and more of a move from. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I will say, I mean, I did, I did go there. And I think it's like, I, I went there, I visited there first before I decided to move. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is just better. I'm going to do the better thing. Um, and then the same with Boston. I was like, well, like I applied to schools in New York and Los Angeles. And those were, I think USC in Los Angeles was actually my first choice. And I didn't get in. I think I applied late. I probably just like put the app in over time or whatever. And also just had tons of spelling errors in general. And also just didn't get in. Whatever, dude. Someone paid their way in. They took my spot, man. You know, That's USC. True. Anyway. Um, uh, um, but the move to yeah. Boston, even though it was for school, I mean, because I know Boston, Boston when you're yeah, there, Boston feels was like, transient. But. It was like, okay, when I moved to Boston, when we moved to Boston, I was just mm. like, this is a cool city. This is interesting. This is different. It's nice to be in a big city. It's cool here that there's a lot of other people going to school and a lot of like people I can learn from and a lot I can learn. But I was never like, oh, this is a city that I want to live in the rest of my life. Like that feeling was never there. Um, or this is a city where like a lot of, interesting things happen it's again i mean boston also just felt more like a european city in a lot of ways like there was just a lot of people that were overeducated, not really getting much done um we're gonna i'm gonna insult every city by the end of the podcast dude people are just good. i hope to have you on podcast enough times too that, that we will have not left sure, we'll hover table. everywhere i won't be able to go anywhere they'll be like i'll just come to boston they'll be like wait shit over here killing <laughs> yeah. i really love boston though like boston mm. is a boston is a cool it's a cool spot um but like yeah i mean i loved boston there's definitely things i miss about it i just don't and when people ask me about it as a city i'm often there are so many things i miss but i'm not sure how many of them are just big city stuff and how much of them is boston specific because i do just miss yeah the city. no that makes sense so I, and I've only lived, that's really the only real city I've lived in, like big city. So I don't know if I lived in Chicago, I might like it as much as Boston because it's a city, not, you know, I don't know how much I loved about, I mean, I certainly, the architecture and the. Well, what it was, yeah, so what, it cool. depends on what, it, I guess it depends on what's important to you and what you loved about it. And like, I don't know how much you want it, this to be a conversation, how much you want it to be interviewing me, but I think like focusing on what you loved about Boston and the seeds of that. But honestly, I didn't, I didn't think really much about, I don't think I really thought about Boston or I, I had a lot of experiences in New York in my young adult life, mm -hmm. younger adult life. And like, um, I didn't think a lot about 
other cities when I was deciding to move to LA. I think at some point there was kind of like, am I going to move to New York or LA type type vibe? Like I had that a few times. And then like, once it was LA, it was like so obvious, obviously LA and like New York wasn't even, and still isn't even like, it's like not even remotely on my radar. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I didn't, I didn't really think about like, I didn't really compete the cities against each other. Um, I was kind of just like, what is, what is going to be the most interesting, the coolest city, the city that's the most relevant to the future and the most relevant to my future? Where can I have the most impact? Like, and it, it was just so clearly Los Angeles um, and nowhere else that like, that I, you know, I just moved here. So, well, what is it? Is it, is it easy to be specific about what, you know, what you love about living in Los Angeles that you could not get in Boston? Like, what are the things that really separate it? That's so not think, just city living. The more, the more, that, so I think East Coast, West Coast, I don't know enough about San Francisco. I've been there sometimes, but like, but I think the difference between, or, or even like, you know, cities in the Pacific Northwest, but I think that, um, I think there's a major thought difference between the East Coast and the West Coast. And the way that people think on the East Coast is kind of like, they think it's a little more zero sum. And I think like, just to, to illustrate that, like when I was on the East Coast, my focus was Wall Street. And I think a lot of people, like Wall Street is sort of the pinnacle of, of what's happening on the East Coast in terms of scale. Um, it's it's managing the world's money in a lot of ways, right. or at least a lot of the Western world, and and in Wall Street, there's not really like just buying a stock at a lower price is like maybe you're adding value, but it's like I don't know. I just I think I think the West Coast really just says like what are what's what are things that we can build. Um that are going to have a massive impact on humanity and not like what can I trade or what can I get in on early to like, so that I can make the most money for myself and then just do that over again. I explained that terribly, I feel like, but. Well, it sounds a little bit like what you're saying is that on the West coast, they are creating and on the East coast, they're managing, which is something that I think is, is definitely a, something that a, a way that people I've heard describe like New York and, Los Angeles, but not just Los Angeles, but the whole East-West split, is that like New York is where they manage everything that's created in like Los Angeles. You know, it's like everything is, you know, they start something new there. I mean, like, even if you think about a lot of like the tech stuff, you know, with the tech bubble, it's very similar. Like there's not, you know, Uber wasn't started in New York. You know what I mean? Like they didn't reinvent you know, the way people well nothing i mean well around. that's what that's that's that also just like if if you start to look at it like if someone mentions something to me they're like oh this thing is happening and it's a big deal i'm like no it's not i don't know like no one cares i don't know what's happening you don't have to explain uber or facebook or um snapchat. Or, or snapchat or spacex or Google, or you know what I mean? It's just like, these are just things that are incorporated into our lives because people in California are making them. Um, whereas like, I mean, I just remember being in Europe, people, their, their huge thing, their like call to fame was like, was like WhatsApp 
like it was like it was 2016 so it was like it was like all these tech things and it's just like i mean i think it's kind of indicative of like what that like whatsapp was purchased by facebook you know that was just like a facebook acquisition sometime in the past and it's just like uh, you know it's just like in in all of your continent there's like one interesting tech thing that that affects everyone on a consumer level um and on Cal and on California, that's just one, you know what I mean? That's just one of the things we have ours acquired yours. Um, that's kind of a dickish, yeah, that's kind of a dickish way to talk about it, but it's just like, I don't know. just in, the, in terms of the things that I'm interested in, it's like California seems to make actionable changes in the world by, by building technology. Mm-hmm. Um, and like that the Europe is the same as the East coast. It's like nothing on the East coast really seems like what is the East coast done? That's innovative or inventive or relevant on a, on a global scale um, in the past 20 years or 30, you know, like, I don't, you know, I don't know. Like the, the, the first thing and the only thing that I can think of is I think the Wright brothers were from North Carolina. Like, <laughs> is that even true or did they just go there? Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> I think there was good wind there. So that's where yeah. they went with the thing. <laughs> but like, <laughs> I do. Yeah, I do feel like it's like, are. and again, I think the East Coast being more closer to Europe and also just more like Europe, it's just more systematic. People are like, what money can I take from the person next to me? And Californians are more like, oh, money's that thing I have to get sometimes to like pay for food and rent or like maybe not. Maybe it's like so out of my purview. I'm just sort of like designing the future and building it, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think Kanye West ever thought about money. <laughs> really? Like, it doesn't seem like he did. <laughs> but I mean, maybe that's the trick. Maybe that's how you, you know, maybe that's how you get ahead. I mean, it seems like that's the way that Californians are. They don't, they don't focus on, like, you know, the movement. But they don't think about forth. ahead. I don't, I think that's the difference. They don't think about ahead. I think it's just like, they just think about the thing they want to do and what they, and then like, how, and then they just start doing it or they figure out what they need to go do it and they do it. Whereas on the East coast, people go, man, I wish I had more money to do the things that I want to do on the West coast. People just do the things that they want to do. And the money happens somewhere in the background right. or, you know, they end up like homeless on Hollywood Boulevard, like playing the flute, like, <laughs> <laughs> but, but still loving it <laughs> still, still crushing it <laughs> some of them look like they're loving it some of them look like i swear dude, so i was in, dude i was i was riding my bike uh down a pretty popular street in hollywood and there's um there's a there's all these homeless people and they're just pitched out i think by this church that like feeds people lunch for free or whatever so there's just tents kind of all around the block type situation mm-hmm. and this uh i just remember seeing this dude and he had like big big speakers this is this is like between a bunch of tents and like on some crates or something. He had some digital audio workspace like Logic or something. And he's just like making music and beats set up on the sidewalk with like a huge like flat screen TV or huge flat screen. Like I could see, I was across the street riding my bicycle and I could see that he had a digital audio space open because his screen was so big. He probably just picked it up off the street or who knows. And right. it's just like, this dude literally doesn't have a house, but he's like making beats on the side of the road in law. It's like what you know what else is this? like I'm I'm not even, I'm not throwing shade. I think it's hilarious and like awesome. And if it sucks, I'm sorry, but like 
but it's like the dude's priority list was like whatever man i'm in i'm in hollywood like making these <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i mean like it's it's crazy when you think about something like uh just how much money people sink into rentals and it's like yeah like if you weren't paying fourteen thousand dollars to like twenty five thousand dollars a year in your where you live you'd have a lot of money for a flat screen and logic pro <laughs> i mean that's that's less than a thousand dollars right there it's like that's 300 true. for logic pro you know that's like a third of a lot of people's rent yeah (laughs) yeah i mean being being homeless like i think you know being on and off homeless kind of throughout my life to some degree like the 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 thing that you actually buy when you buy space is time because like you can be homeless Mm -hmm. and make it work but it's like you're always kind of uncomfortable you're always kind of tired it's just rough and like and like it takes way longer to do simple things like brush your teeth or mm. you know what i mean you ha- you have to have like this weird system that you've developed like um and you don't have space you don't have space to create systems and to create you just sort of have like your car or whatever you have and you're just sort of like always thinking about the next thing rather than thinking about the end the end thing Right. I'm sure it also, it must be hard to feel like you're always in someone else's space too. Yeah. No, that that's, sucks. that's kind of the thing. Like you're, I mean, I know it's like a public space a lot, but still it's not like yours. Like you're in someone else's space. I was talking to my neighbor about this. I was saying that. What was I saying? Uh, oh, I think you can measure wealth and how often you have to move, right? You have mm-hmm. to move your car. You can't, you can't pay for a parking spot. You have to move in the middle of a podcast. You can't pay to have no roommate. <laughs> you know, I like I can't pay to have a studio. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. like I yeah I don't know. I think that's an interesting way to measure to measure wealth. If you're homeless on the street, you get moved once a week probably, or some more here by street cleaning or cop or cops, or if the neighbors complain, whatever. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting way of thinking about it. Like always having to. Well, I mean, I guess it's not even, I mean, it is wealth, but it has to go back to that whole sort of space, like how much space you have, right? The less space you have, the more you have to move. (laughs) I mean, how much space you have, but also how much agency you have over your space too, I Mm. think is a big thing. It's like, if you can get kicked out of your space for the way that you use it, you have far less agency than someone who owns the space. Right. Um, Yeah. That's interesting. So at this point, I just want to circle back to the whole sort of like moving around. Well, I guess we're still talking about the space thing. Um, but like, are you are you sort of settled on the West Coast? I, like, I know that I don't you... Think, um, well, so here's the thing. I'm not like, I think I'm settled on the things that I want to do. Like, I'm settled on the end game. I'm settled on the things that I want to do and and the way that I want to live to some degree. But it's like, where I live, I just live wherever's be- best for that at any given time. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think focusing on where where we live is not as relevant as it used to be. Used to be just because, like, um, I guess income and real estate has become a lot more liquid. Like, if you can make money anywhere, and you don't need to like know someone in the town to get a job like um right. it's a lot easier to just sort of float i mean i know a lot of people who do just sort of float and and the the factor that keeps them floating isn't so much like oh can i get a house there it's it's like where's the money 
Right. Um, well, let me throw a theoretical at you. If you were making money, like let's say, I don't know what the magic number would be, but let's say you were making the magic number of money per month that you felt like you needed to travel and feed yourself enough and like see stuff. And it was all coming go. from the internet. Yeah. Would you travel? Would you stay in Los Angeles? I would probably, I mean, it depends on what the number is. If I was making more money, I might travel more, but I think that I'm just more mission oriented now. I'd really only travel to do things that are part of what I want to do. I don't really feel like vacationing or traveling for the sake of traveling. I think one thing that like I took from that book that what's it called? The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho or whatever his name is. I have, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> so there's this book called The Alchemist. It's extremely famous. And it's, and it's um, I think it's written by a Brazilian guy. But the dude didn't get the book. He couldn't get the book published for like 20 years. At any rate, the, the takeaway that I got from the book was you go, you, th- this, this shepherd, I'm going to spoiler alert, this shepherd <laughs> travels the whole world. Mm-hmm. And and he kind of realizes that people are kind of the same everywhere. Like places are kind of the same everywhere. Everyone has jobs. Everyone has there's all there's buildings everywhere, and there's you know some things. The nuances are different. People you know the Germans design better toilets than us, and the Europeans design <laughs> <Yeah>. better bathrooms. <laughs> but like the bathrooms <laughs> go up and down in quality, <laughs> but. <laughs> But it's like, I'm not going to just move to Europe or even fly to Europe for a week because, like, I want to wash my hands while someone else is taking a shit. Um, so, no, not even if money was no issue. So if, I mean, if money was no, I think, I think that I would still, I don't think that I would float. I like having control over my space. I would probably own some space in the country or have maybe have another space in the country, but I might not. Like, it's so easy to rent space. I, I probably, I, I don't think that really much would change at all. Like, I don't think that money, money is like, to some degree it would, like I would be a little bit more flexible and a little bit less, but actually I'm, I'm not sure it would. I think I'd probably, you know, I might have a slightly bigger space in Los Angeles. Mm. Yeah. So you could do more, like the, the more money would just equal being able to do more for you. Yeah. Projects. The- the the thing about I mean if you remember in Boston we just there were all these people there from Ireland all the time and there was a lot of people flowing through and the thing about living in like a major city is that like the world kind of culture comes to you you don't have to go places to like find different cultures you just and especially Los Angeles you just see it every day right. um like so much culture just comes and there is there is grounding things in the culture like in in Boston the grounding thing kind of seems to be the education system in academia and in Los and Angeles. Medical. Yeah, sure. And then in Los Angeles, it's like the entertainment industry, um, the space industry, though, that's probably false, far smaller. And then like, um, I'm trying to think, oh, there's just, there's a lot. I mean, maybe shipping, like there's a big port, but I don't know. I don't know. You know, I don't, right. I don't ship, I don't ship stuff. <laughs> <laughs> not, not you know, keyed into the import export world of the California coastline. Not so much. Huh. I, I mean, I guess I, it's interesting because I think about how much you've moved around and, and like sort of how much you've learned from it. And then I think that like the more I'm trying to do more and more of that now because of the whole sort of being able to do things on the internet you know like i'm trying to be because I, I feel so I stuck focusing on the why yeah i so like i think i think that i felt so stuck in charlottesville 
and in Virginia in general, and it wasn't so much, it was more the ideology there, and it might have been its proximity to DC, but the ideology was just like new is bad and old is good. And, <laughs> and like, and like bad, yeah. things, are, things are hard. Whereas like in California, in Los Angeles, the, the attitude is new is good, old is like whatever, bye. And mm-hmm. yeah. So I don't, you know, I don't feel stuck by any means. Like I could go get a delivery job <laughs> and live anywhere. But it's like, yeah. why would I live anywhere when I already live in like kind of the coolest place in the world for, for getting things that things done with other people? If I wanted to like go, you know, write a novel, maybe I'd go rent a cabin in the woods for some months or years. But right. I think for me, it's, I mean, geography is probably a big part of it. There's a lot of people who like their bucket list is like geographical things, you know, see like the Grand Canyon, see the... I don't know. Mount, Mount. Yeah. I mean, do you ever get, I think that I just got, I just got kind of bored of that. Like, it's not that I would still wouldn't want to do it, but I'm not going to live my whole life based on like, I want to see visually the pyramids and like experience what the people, you know, it's like to some degree I can get an idea of what it's like to be over there by reading books. Like it's not the same, but it's, it's you know like i i guess to me like seeing every part of the planet isn't the cornerstone of of my priority list right um, i guess i guess the to what you said like the being able to sort of uh see it from reading books i think and for better or worse i just i think i don't believe it you know what i mean like i think there's a i think somewhere it's good of my person there's i think it's a skeptical thing which i yeah. don't like i think it comes from the skeptical place but i've n- i don't think i actually believe You're just something like, exists the unless pyramids I aren't there <laughs> yeah. like really like i mean i understand i can go through all the logical I, stuff well, of, like, so i believe they there, exist. But, like, i just I believe, believe i've it. been lied to like <laughs> Like, you know, like, I'm like, you know, I just believe that everyone's lied to me. And when I go see it, it's going to be different. And that's kind of how I felt about Europe. Because like, everyone was like, especially Europeans are like, well, Europe is just better. And I was like, no, the the social culture in Europe is better. And everything else is trash. (laughs) Everything else, actually, America's better. (laughs) Right. Um, But uh, yeah, I mean, I feel that way, too. I guess I just like, I don't feel, I do feel like there's, I think that time is important and there's, there's certain things that you can only do at certain t- parts of in time. And I don't think that seeing the pyramids or seeing things are, is one of those things really, unless you're like, you've bought into the traditional narrative where you're just like travel while you're young, because when you're old, you have a house and kids and, and I'm just like, well, just don't get the house and the kids yet, you know, or just like figure out a way you whatever. Like, uninnovative person right Um, and maybe that's just like young and naive and yada yada but i think it's like building building a really crazy company that changes the world i'm not a crazy but you know just building a company that changes the world it's like i think i don't know to me that seems like a, a a better focus for me right now right i think that that is i think that that is higher quality that is a higher quote. Like, I don't think everyone's desire to go see things, like even mine, to make sure they're real. I don't know how high quality that is as like a human's contribution to the world. Like, I think it is a higher quality to well, thinking about try the to create why. something that... Why? Like, why I do you think the why is... I think it's... 
I mean, I think it's unfortunately just really simple. I think that I just like, as an animal, the bigger something is, the cooler it is to me. Like, I'm just like, every time I see something that's bigger than I ever expected to see of that thing, I'm always like, whoa. <laughs> like, it's such a simple thing. Like, I think seeing, like, whenever I've seen beautiful landscapes and vistas, even if it's not just a bigness thing, it's always just like this kind of like, wow factor. It's like, I can't believe that it did, it did exist. Like, I've seen paintings and pictures, you know. That's like funny. I, I have the I opposite it. effect. Like, I, you know. I saw the Grand Canyon and I was like, this is fine. Can we leave? <laughs> like, like, I feel like I would just be like, like even when I go to a new place and it's just understanding that it is a place, even like, even when I like first went into Boston, you know, I was just like, holy crap. Like, this is real. <laughs> this is a real city. There are like thousands of humans here. There's yeah. like millions of humans living it all the time. And it's like a real place at the same time that I'm here eating like dollar store versions of those like Girl Scout cookie things and you know and just doing stupid whatever stuff you're just amazed by the world you're like a you're like two days old and you're just like man I woke up again (laughs) yeah that's true I think that's a good way I think that's I'm I'm not trying to make fun I think that's a cool way to look at things I guess I'm just like I'm just old and jaded now and I'm like no matter what city I go to I'm gonna end up at some coffee shop where there's some hipster chick (laughs) treating me like I'm an asshole and all I want (laughs) is all right. I want is a piece of bread. Like yeah. Taj's experience is like baristas are the same everywhere. It's all the same. You go to any town, you go to a coffee shop, it's the same asshole. <laughs> like, which is funny because it's I mean, that is true. That certainly is true. That that similarity, you know, that's one thing that I feel like people find when they travel. They're like, oh wow, like I went to this other place and like the the Grand Canyon didn't exist where I was from, but like a crappy diner, I know that. Like I've been to crappy <laughs> diners, like wow, they've got the same crappy diners that I have. <laughs> you know, it's amazing. There's still like a bunch of people who look like they've been working there 30 more years than they planned. You know, <laughs> and like, and they're just, but they're still friendly and they're still doing the diner thing, and and that's everywhere. Yeah. It's crazy, even though yeah, like, right think, next door. I think that more more interesting than bigger to me is different. And like, I think that I reached a point where I stopped seeing any, a difference big enough that would make me want to travel. Um, and I think there's nuances to that and I'm sure I'll travel some more at some point, but for now, I like just the, this place with the most differences is the place where I already am like differences within the place that I already am. Like there's so many subcultures, um, and just weird different things happening here that I like forget, you know, it's like I deliver food today and I like walk into this production studio and there's a guy with six screens in front of him and two, you know, two of them are like vertical and they're like ridiculously tall. They're just tall screens. And he's just sitting, standing there with like six screens and he's like, sup, you know? And I'm like, dude, what are you, are you like an assistant editor? It was a dumb thing to say. He was like, but he was like, Oh, I'm just an, I'm, I'm an editor. And I was like, word, I was like, why do you have six screens? And he's like, oh, like these two are for bins and yada. Um, And I was just like, that's just, it's just so quickly in LA. I just, there's just something that's so like, I'm like, oh, right. This is like this weird thing that's happening in a basement somewhere or just on a ground floor somewhere in Hollywood. And they're like, they're making, he's just making a movie right there. Um, (laughs) And then at the same, and that's, you know, and then like a couple weeks ago, I'm just like walking around NASA and there's a bunch of people like, 
yeah, we're going to space. Like, there's a Mars rover. That thing's going to be flying, you know, zooming around on Mars in 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 come in six months, or actually in a year and a half when it gets there. And I think that that range of weird, different stuff that happens in Los Angeles or in the greater Los Angeles area is just kind of like more interesting to me than like like um, I don't know, like flying over to to china or to europe and being like okay cool cool you guys like have coffee shops here and you like work a little i don't know it's just like less i don't know it's just geography doesn't seem to matter as much to me in terms of what's different as it used to right you're looking for more of a it sounds like part of the society something that like people are working on together as opposed to just like something that was made a million years ago or something in the environment yeah, well, I guess I've just, I've seen a lot of Earth. Like, Hawaii is pretty weird, too. And, like... But every I've, time I think that, I find pictures online of something that I'm like, there's no way. There's no way it exists on this planet. You know, like, that's one of the cool things about the internet, I think. Like, I have bookmarks in, like, my Google Chrome that are just called, like, no way. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, there's no way, dude. Like, these ice caves, like, in this place, are, like, these crazy waterfalls in south america and i'm like there's no way like that's way too cool i'm just i think that yeah i mean i think that in general you're more interested in things and i'm more interested in people and like um to me it's like i'm like i'm i think about like i wonder if the if the girls near the ice caves are hot <laughs> you know like i don't right. really care what's going on at the ice caves <laughs> but like can maybe one of the ice people teach me how to ice fish the ice people <laughs> The ice yeah. people. Dude, someone 200 God, years so knowledgeable. Be like, you're so knowledgeable. <laughs> <laughs> I know they're called Eskimos, Brian. Jeez. But I don't even know, are they? I feel like that's one of those words that's probably not even real. Like, I bet you can't. Why do you care? Are you just going to travel the world being like, I didn't believe it, but you're here. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's the difference. We're going to go traveling. And the difference is, I'm going to be like, wow, these canals are amazing. And Todd's going to be like, there's too many damn boats with the guys on them doing this thing. <laughs> there's too many boats. Like, <laughs> it's just like, why? It's like, I guess, I don't know. It's like, when you travel, what do you do? You eat the food, you talk to the people. All those people, they travel to Los Angeles. I can just talk to them here. Like, so Aspen and I stayed in a hostel when he first got here because I was homeless. And we stayed in the hostel. And there was just a bunch of foreigners in the hostel and i was like all oh, right this is where i can talk to foreign people and it's yeah. like i can eat foreign food around los angeles the fuck am i taking a flight around the world to meet foreign people and eat foreign food if i can do it all here you know it's like i just built i just built a life in the in the travel space right <laughs> i, I was like know, i'm tired of moving i'm bringing all the moving to me you guys can move around to me <laughs> <laughs> i mean i think that there is i think there is a lot of merit to that attitude and i think it's really just like the skepticism in me that just drives me to be like i don't think you can experience Do you something just want you are you doing an hour and a 20 minutes now long podcast with me to try and convince me to travel with you yeah i can't let it go <laughs> you gotta go and see the guys on the boats with the sticks and the, you the, go there i've I already love, seen them. that's my funniest that's my favorite description of venice man this is like this with all the boats. <laughs> that's what you said <laughs> that's my favorite 
Dude, that... I didn't even see a boat while I was there. It was like canals, and then there was just a bunch of people walking around on the sidewalks. I thought there was, aren't, those the, aren't there gondolas? There's the guys with the big sticks. I didn't see any guys with big sticks with gondolas. <laughs> you just like live in a James Bond movie, don't you? <laughs> see, this is why I have to go to Venice, because I have Exactly. Like, you I have, have to I go have to Venice. I have no idea. You have to go to Venice, <laughs> okay. but... I mean, I haven't been. I really want to. I, you I, really I don't to Italy, have to I go to Venice. <laughs> No, I do. I got to see the guys in the, or lack thereof of the guys on the gondolas. All right, yeah. I know you're on a tight schedule. I should probably let you go. Right? You got you got stuff to do and not listen yeah. to my stupid stuff about how cool man. big stuff is. Um, <laughs> uh, but thanks for talking with me, man. I definitely want to do for more. Sure. Just a bunch more of these videos. Because the audio, we'll strip the audio for the podcast and then I'll probably just put this on YouTube unedited with dog yeah, barking man. and me running around. Yeah, dude. Put it on YouTube unedited. <laughs> um, yeah, dude. And fucking plug me, bro. Put, yeah. Put my, put my stuff in there, dude. Do Tell them need... I got a podcast. Yeah, do you Tell need them... plugs? Get, put some plugs in right now. <laughs> <laughs> Give me those plugs, boy. Uh, my podcast is called the Taj LeBlanc Podcast. Really innovative name. And then... Um, uh, find me on Twitter at Taj LeBlanc or uh, Instagram at Taj A LeBlanc. Yeah. Why is, wanna... why is your Twitter with the A in it? Is Was Taj LeBlanc taken? Is there another Dude, Taj LeBlanc? So, yeah, I had a girlfriend and she started an Instagram for me that said Taj LeBlanc. I really want it, but I started the Taj LeBlanc Instagram. Now I don't have it. What? All my social media is at Taj LeBlanc, but the A is in there because just because of the them. <laughs> Wait, just because of the Instagram? Yeah, because, just because there was that one. Oh my god, that's yeah. so good. I'll get it. Can't you? Can't you? There's got to be a way where you can. Like this reminds me of the John Stewart joke where he talks about like the Pope trying to start a Twitter where he's like, you know, okay, well, uh, I'm the Pope, and then he's like, sorry, that username is taken. He's like, well, so no, like, I think Pope. how it works is like if you're famous enough or something, Twitter goes, look, fucker, you can't have the Pope. That the Pope right. gets that one, and the other guy goes, hey, hey, come on. Well, how and, famous uh, do you have to be? I mean, Taj Mahal, he's you just yeah, you know, right. The Taj Mahal podcast is popping off. I mean, how famous? I'm pretty I mean, hot. they can't <laughs> prove that they're you, right? So, like, what, how would you, you know, how would... Verify. That's what verified is. You give them a license. But they can't verify. Like, if your Instagram is locked up in someone else, they can't verify that they're you. So, how would it, how would they ever be able to, like, it doesn't seem like you'd have... What's happening right now? <laughs> what are you saying? saying? It doesn't seem like you'd have to be famous to do that because no one should be able to verify to that verified? they're you. No, no one should be able to be fake verified. Right, like, dude, you verify yourself by sending them your license or something. So that's what I'm saying. Why don't you do that? Just send your license. Be like, that's not me. Because you, that person running that Instagram. Because dealing with any, because dealing with Instagram was too much work. Like I tried. (laughs) Oh man, dude, you know it's. I would bother me so much. Google doesn't have customer service. No, (laughs) we're Google. Fuck you. (laughs) Google does have customer service if you buy Google One. And it's terrible. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I have Google. One. I just imagine Google customer service as you like call them up and they start talking to you about deep mind stuff. And you're just yeah. like, okay, I just wanted my email to work. Yeah. And they're like, what? what you? And you're just, yeah. The whole time they're like, you know that I could be working on like artificial intelligence that's changing everything. Right. And instead of trying to like get you back into an email. Yeah, dude, they just act like they're a barista in a coffee shop. I'm like, dude, you're not that cool. You can't be a Duke douche to me. Right. I pay you $20 a year. So I'm, <laughs> I'm the MVP here. Yeah. 
Cool. All right, man. Well, I'll let you go. We'll do this again soon. I'm not even going to bring any topics next time. It's just going to wing it. It's going to. How many topics did we not talk about? Is there anything we should cover really quickly? Uh, I think the only topic that we didn't cover was just business school. I was just interested to talk a little bit about because you did unschool a little bit as a kid, right? And then you were in like uh, public school, kind of like me. And then, but then you went and like did some other stuff. And then you did so, and then you did the college route, which I didn't do. Like I never got a degree, and yet you're not using it. So I just didn't know if. Um, People always say that. I think that's funny. I thought it was really interesting, especially in business school where like you just learn, you learn, I kind of learned that competing is bad. You don't want to compete. And I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure if I just, if that's just like more a a Peter Thiel philosophy that I picked up, but I think I learned, I realized that before I knew who that guy was or ever read that book. And I was like, competition is bad because when you compete, you have to compete for price. And what you actually want to do is create something so unique or be so different or so much better that you don't compete. You just say, this is what it is. And here's the price. Um, And so I think it's interesting that people learn that or, or maybe they never did learn that, but everyone in business school gets out of business school and then they go get a job where they compete with a bunch of other people from a bunch of other business schools to get a life that's reasonably predictable and undifferentiated. Um, You just, you just work for a company, your salary will vary depending on how well you negotiated or how, what industry you work in, et cetera, between, you know, 30,000 to start, or maybe a couple hundred thousand, if you're really lucky or really, I hate that word. I take not lucky, but you know, you, you work in an industry like that, but the life is the same. You have a salary and you have to show up nine to five, uh, 280 days a year. And the more you're answering to someone, the less freedom you have and the less freedom you have to really create something that, that is a great business that affects um, either really important people or a large number of people um, or both. And so I think the least logical thing that you can do when you learn a skill set that allows you to succeed at anything um, is to go work for someone else um, because you you what business school does really well is you learn how to make something successful or that's how the way that I saw it you learn how to transform your ideas into something that's tangible and that you can you can distribute to to the world um, so you in a lot of ways you learn how to remove all the risks mm. um, and I think the biggest risk is to put your career uh, in the hands of other people um, or specifically a specific company or a specific industry, um, either of which will go up and down with a recession or, or for a variety of reasons. Um, because at the end of the day, it's not, it's not the, the market is what matters. Um, and so if you can create something and sell it to a market, then you can you can get what you want done. Um, so I think, yeah, it's, it's really interesting to me because my plan was never like, like my plan at some point was like, go like run Wall Street, you know, like right. probably go have a hedge fund, whatever, when I was like too young and poor to, to, to know anything else. And all I wanted was just to be a billionaire. But like, um, but where was where was i darn it um but but after 
but after sort of like looking and seeing what that looked like um and understanding that like i could kind of design a life that i wanted with the skills that i learned it was like i'm gonna do that like oh that's right like the plan was never go to business school then go get a job in business like that's a surprisingly narrow destination that a lot of people do um would you say that business stop (laughs) would you say that business school is kind of like uh similar to how a lot of musicians go to music college you know and like like for instance like the people i think it's very um and then they like way well so like uh like for instance in boston like berkeley kids a lot of times they would go to the school that taught them music but it was sort of like if they wanted to be a successful musician they would drop out like and the teachers kind of knew that there was this weird relationship of like being here is inherently like anti what you're kind of going for we're just sort of teaching you the structure of it like how to make sort of like what you're talking about like how to make your idea successful like how to make you know, uh, uh, being a composer or being a writer or being a singer, how to make that successful. But a lot of them still drop out because at the end of the day, they don't want to be like a, an academic musician. And a lot of people, I think, don't want to be an academic business person. They want to be like an artist. I think there's two, I think, yeah, I mean, I think there's two things. I think that there's, if you're going to school, you're either going to school to be an academic or you're going to school because there is a regulation that is keeping you from doing the profession without having a degree in it. Mm. Because like learning the technical skills, or maybe you're going to be a part of a community. Um, I think I grew up being the only shark I knew. I, I was the only person that was like, no, I want specific things. I want this, I want specific outputs um, for, for specific inputs. And I don't want this random hippie bullshit that is like, oh, maybe things happen and like kind of roll the dice and like, we'll go to blah, blah. I was like, no, I want to go to the thing and have a good time. <laughs> I want to go to the thing and have a good time. <laughs> um, <laughs> but like, um, <laughs> but yeah, I think like, I like, I don't even know. What were, what were we talking about? Uh, economic joke. Uh, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, I, was just, I don't I was just like musicians like, who go to music school. I think they probably go for a similar reason that business people go to business school, which is like I wanted to be around a bunch of people that I felt were like me, but maybe smarter than me in different ways, or like, like just really smarter than me, or smarter than me in one way. And I went there, and I was kind of like, like. <laughs> I, I guess I just, I didn't really find anyone that I felt was particularly inventive. I found a lot of people that wanted a comfortable life and I want that too. And I think that's why a lot of people go into business. Um, uh, and inversely, I think a lot of people who have comfortable lives go into music um, or go into something that's, that's artistic. Right. Like art, art is mostly art is mostly made by the rich in my experience. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would say that the technical skill set that is business, I mean, fundamentally, when I decided to learn it, I was like, I remember sitting in a seat at my community college and kind of thinking about the decision and being like, being like, no matter what I do in life, what no matter what anyone does in order to survive, unless you're going to go out and live in the woods, you either work for a business or you work for the government. 
And I was like, I don't think I'm probably, I just don't really see myself working for the government. Um, so I'm going to be either, either working for a business or owning a business or multiple. So like it was a, it was a pragmatic thing to study and everything else to me seemed really specific. Business seemed applicable to everything. And it is like, there isn't a single conversation about business at this point that I can't either add to or take something away from unless I've already heard it, but it's like the practice is applicable to kind of anything I want to do. Hi Paige. Would you, would you do it uh, again? Would you do business school again? Oh, she can't hear me. Um, uh, no, I don't know. It's, it's difficult. So when I think about it, when I think about doing, doing the ideal thing, um, or like, I, and I think even at the time, what I wanted to do was probably go to business school part-time and work part-time or full-time. Cause I think it's, it's value. It would have been valuable to have done it slower maybe, and not so much of a sprint, but the way that the financial aid works in this country is they want you to go full-time. So I did the opposite thing. I went full-time. I got the max amount of financial aid that I could so that I could also, and I also overloaded on classes because that was the most economical thing to do to get the most sort of credits and get my degree fastest for the least amount of money, which is the opposite way that I would do it. I think you would, you still find the value in it, but you don't think you'd do it exactly the same. I think it depends. So like I've made, I've, I I think maybe you saw the video where I made, it was like talking about the differences in entrepreneurs and like technicians and management and creatives. And I think that the, I think that a much, much better thing to do is to probably go find somebody who is a manager. Those are the business types. Find somebody who has that skill set in spades and find a way to become a part of their life. Work for them. Find somebody that'll answer all of your questions or that you can work with. Like I'm looking at a lot of I'm looking at a lot of startups now, and it's like Bill Gates was a pragmatist and Paul Allen was the creative, and Steve Jobs was the business person, and um, and Steve Wozniak was the technician and they all kind of come in pairs and there's usually someone who's a very good technician and then someone who's a very good business person. And I think that's part of the reason that you and I have an easy time working together because you're inherently a technician. You're more interested in things and I'm interested in, in people and how the, how, how the system changes things for the people or how to sell things. Um, so I think like for anyone that is thinking about going to business school um think about why because i think i mean peter Thiel says this really well he says you go to school because you don't know what you want to do and i didn't know what i want to do i just knew that i wanted more i didn't want to live in a small town and like Mm -hmm. do any of the things that i saw people around me doing so i went to the thing that seemed the most pragmatic and gave me maximum optionality um and so I think if you know what you want to do, I think do it. And if you need partners, um, get them. But like if, if going to school is something that you need to do um, to do the thing that you want to do, then, then go to school. But no matter what that is, I would be extremely skeptical of, of that route. And it's more like, it's not like the thing that you do. It should be something that happens along the way. If I could live it all over, um, I don't know if I would have done it any differently. I remember graduate kind of being done with community college and being like, I can either travel or go to school and school 
seems like something I should do now because I'm younger and there'll be other people and maybe I'll meet, I don't know, my co-founders or what have you. Maybe I did. Um, I suspect that I didn't because what I did was meet a lot of people like me. And it's like, if you put two sharks in the room, they're just going to eat the whole cow and just be looking around hungry for more. So like you want, you want like, that's the, uh, sorry, maybe that's vague to other people, but like sharks are like, this is described a lot for like wall street people. It's the people who find the value who, who monetize things, who are able to take a bunch of different inputs and put them together to get profit. Um, those are the business types. So what I did was meet a lot of people that maybe thought like me, but weren't going to be my founders. I think it's interesting that like, like Elon Musk studied business and studied, um, and studied, or sorry, he studied economics and he studied physics. And I considered studying engineering when I was in college. Um, But I think it's interesting in all the stories that I read in terms of all his co-founders, yada, yada, like, I feel like none of the people that really are played key roles in like him making interesting businesses he went to school with, they were all startups that he was a part of in Silicon Valley. Um, And I think really the only thing that like, I guess maybe they had all been to school at some point, but it was kind of just like this thing that happened in the past that maybe gave them a skill set to, to be able to contribute to the company. Um, but I think more so than focusing on school, I would say, what are the important skill sets for the things that I want to do? Because if you don't learn, every industry has desired skill sets. And then those like people that are kind of like, oh, well, I guess we need them, but like, we don't really, like, we're not going to, com- we're not going to build a company on the HR team. You know, we're going to build a company on the, on the technologists or, or the creative minds. Um, so like really getting good at, at those things is probably a lot more valuable in the long run in school um, just getting a piece of paper yeah i mean it, you know i've talked i've talked about it negatively and i've i've in to some degree it's positive i do think that like it sort of gave me a frame of reference while i was doing business things working in real estate selling weed um like it, it you know it was it was helpful but i think yeah, I think the things that I've already said are just much more, it's a much, is a much better approach. Like, I think if I were to do it all over again, knowing what I knew now, I probably would have just moved to Wall Street, um, or sorry, moved to New York. Wall Street's sort of the pinnacle of, of sort of that in, in some regards. I think maybe Silicon Valley or now Los Angeles is it in, in others, but like, I would move to the place and like either just get any job I could, like, look, I'll mop the floors at Goldman Sachs or whatever. Um, or I would just try to create something and sell it to someone, um, try to create something that I could sell to someone that was in need um, and just start. Yeah. Just start. Yeah. Yeah. That's Taj, it's Taj's, Taj's advice to the budding entrepreneurs, uh, similar to Nike. <laughs> just do just it. Do it. Just do it. Come on. But there's no, like, there's no, you, you know, like, have you ever, I mean, look at what other, if you, if you think you're a budding entrepreneur, like, or an entrepreneur, like, you've probably studied other entrepreneurs that are like you. So I would say, like, look at the people you're interested in and be like, oh, that's what I am. 
that's who I am. Otherwise, why would you be interested in that person? Like people that are interesting to me are kind of like Peter Thiel, Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, like um, people that have started like big companies and then are kind of trying to transverse traverse industries. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but I think a lot of people, um, a lot of people sort of shoot buckshot. They say like, this is this thing that I don't really understand. Um, uh, I, actually, I won't say that. Never mind. I don't know where I was going to go with that. Alrighty. Well, I think that I'm going to take off my dude. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think it's cool that we touched on the, some of the business school stuff because I think it's an interesting, I mean, it's certainly something I know so little about. And it's always interesting because of how much business, how business minded you are and then having that experience. But then obviously, like, some of it you take, I mean, because there's things that you did in business school that Just very you know, tangibly all those right. things I could have done on my own very right. tangibly. Like I went, I went into a bunch of debt to get an undifferentiated asset, which is like being like what most Americans do, which is like, I'm going to go into a bunch of debt to get a house or a car. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like a house or a car isn't like, maybe a car gives you flexibility. I don't know, but like a house you're going to make m- like, three percent a year maybe on the house in terms of like a return and it's like if you think you're a three percent return person then like you probably should aim higher (laughs) like can you grow yourself more than three percent per year otherwise you're basing your life around this asset and i think that school's very similar it's like like in sales they like to be like oh you can make endless profits and that's bullshit that's just like something that the CEO says to the sales team and it's like really no there's a mathematical formula for how much we you've made we've just we've seen that this market there's a million dollars in this market maybe you can pull fifty thousand dollars out of this market every year um but it's it's very math oriented there is no there is no the limits you have very clear limits with it when you're working when you're going within someone else's structure and like school is that it's someone else's structure right but yeah um but just do it (laughs) to summit um yeah cool all right well i will let you go um thanks for coming on the podcast i'll make sure to plug all of your taj slash taj a leblanc (laughs) Handles <laughs> in the in the bio. <laughs> Be like, you can find them at Taj the Blog, except for Instagram, which is different. <laughs> cool. All right, let's do this again sometime. Man. All right, peace, bro. For sure. See ya. Thanks so much to Taj LeBlanc for video Zoom sessioning with me for almost two hours. You can find out more from him if you're interested in his content or collaborations at Taj LeBlanc on everything except Instagram, uh, where it is Taj A. LeBlanc. This is my first attempt at a remote interview. There will be many more of these coming out as I hit the road. Uh, keep up with all my projects at allbriandoes.com or support me at patreon.com slash allbriandoes.